Hi, I'm Paul Carr, and this is podcast 18. And I'm going to comment on some things that David Brooks, the New York Times op-ed writer and the uh, PBS host mentioned, and it's uh, the words of, of David Brooks. So here we go, and then I'll comment at the end. In my home, David Brooks' non-shrill and balanced view from the right side of the political spectrum is very much welcomed. He enjoys the status of a friend, although one admittedly with whom I mostly disagree. Nonetheless, his words contain meaty substance. A mere cast-aside utterance from him has measured weight, credibility, and the potential for consequence. It is one of these cast-asides I desire to address. In his op-ed, Union Future, he mentioned police unions and their reticence to reform. Then casually, like a grenade tossed in a kindergarten class, he wrote, teachers' unions have become the the single biggest impediment to school reform. Transparency required. I am a teacher and an active teacher unionist. Mr. Brooks has not done anyone a favor here. Some questions of depth and some clarity need to be made. What is this ed reform of which he speaks? Let me tell you. So far, education reform has been a nightmare, a massacre, a coup de grace on democratic public education institutions. Ed reform has plundered the public sector, crushed teachers' souls, and offered virtually no positive improvement even when measured by the right's own yardstick. The right benefits on many levels in its relentless assault on public schools. First, privatization feeds the Republican DNA of the government's role as an agent of profit for business. Public education viewed through the Republican eyes is viewed as a feeding trough opportunity of financial benefit. Hence, the many hedge funds lauding testing and assessment companies, charter corporations, and publishing empires will spread their fattened little wallets soon. Virtually every mantra about ed reform is false or basely wrong. Charter schools, in fact, do not perform better when equal measures are used. Rather, they're worse. End of story. Charter schools skim the best kids, the brightest, the motivated, and every January they boot out any of those who don't behave. They do not have the number of multi-language speakers in their classes, nor do they deal with special ed. So it's like comparing apples and bowling balls. Plus, those attending charter schools have parents who have guided them there. Many of my students have guardians. There is a difference. Parents mean they are related. Their social and financial condition is far better than those kids who reside with a guardian. Guardian translates to a neighbor, a cousin, an aunt, a foster family, a brother, a sister, perhaps even a teacher. To choose to have your child go to a charter school is self-selecting. It filters out those who can't even imagine to go. It eliminates those unaware of charters or those uh, disinclined to care 
or those who are unable even to drive their children to the school. Private charter schools. One of the largest charter conglomerates in the USA is the Gulen Group. That's spelled G-U-L-E-N. 60 Minutes did an expose on this scary Turkish cult-centered corporation. It is a religious and a global plan. It has infiltrated media and the security services of Turkey to an astonishing level and receives millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars in the hundreds of charter schools across USA. Also, Gulan has been depicted by Erdogan in Turkey right now as an enemy of the state. And the Gulan Charter School organization allows and hires only Turkish teachers, many of whom speak poor English. And there's a, a very strong whiff that there are kickbacks big time from those teachers to the Gulen system so they can come to America to teach, which, by the way, happens to be in Pennsylvania. That's the center, and that's where he is hiding. Um, the Gulen charter schools alone are a very good reason for teachers' unions to be against reform. Then there is the much-touted scores. Well, high-performing schools, it's all about sleight of hand. No Child Left Behind was created on a false premise. The success ballyhooed on its inception in Texas, and it turns out it was all about low-performing kids dropping out of the 9th and 10th grade. And then the kids that remained in 11th and 12th grade were high performers. So they got rid of the kids that hated school, didn't want to be in school, didn't perform in school, and they're no longer assessed. They're taking out of the, taken out of the evaluation, and only the kids that are left there in 11th and 12th grade are evaluated. And guess what? Their scores were higher than when the low kids were in the mix. That was the big secret, okay? Nice, huh? Uh, PISA. This is a program for International Shanghai International School Assessment. Um, it's another perfect example of BS. In this mix, when they evaluate schools, they, they evaluate them all by country, except in China, they evaluate Shanghai. Um, why? Shanghai is a city. If that's the case, shouldn't Manhattan and Berlin and Tokyo be evaluated too? Plus, Chinese public institutions are completely lacking in minority kids or special ed kids or multilingual kids. Okay, don't even get me started on the cultural component of educational performance. For your information, I taught in Korea for three years, and my wife is Korean, and Northern Asians have education in their DNA. They also have a shadow-for-pay education system that supplements the entire educational infrastructure in Northern Asia, meaning Korea, China, and Japan. Although I have to say, China just ended all their private schools. Uh, to the best of my knowledge. Okay, um, before No Child Left Behind, we were just fine. We taught kids art, music, social studies, and science. In elementary schools in the past few years, these things no longer exist in, to, in any realistic form. We've had a decade of no science and no social studies. 
during the No Child Left Behind years. And instead it was replaced with reading and math only. Why? Testing was used as an evaluation of teachers, not children. Poverty was not considered. Okay. These are a few of the reasons why teacher unions are against education reform. Because what does it mean? Anywho, so friend David Brooks, I invite you to spend a few hours with me at my poorest of the poor schools. Run a lap with my fifth graders and me in the morning. See what it's like in the mucky trenches of gang-infested poverty. And then just sit and watch with no principal, no superintendent present. Observe my 32 fifth graders and their old teacher. And we'll talk later about the subtractive brutality and injustices of ed reform. Your words carry great weight. Please be careful how you use them. And I am Paul Carr. Yeah, so that, that, um, that was an article that I wrote, and it was published. And um, yeah, the public schools have been hammered. So we had no child left behind, and, and that hammered us hammered us. Then we had Race to the Top with Obama, and I, I will do a, another uh, a, a, an op-ed that I did with that that went gangbusters. Um, and then who would think that after No Child Left Behind, Race to the Top, that it could become worse? And it, and it has, and that's because of the pandemic and uh, with the, the kids staying home and Zoom schooling. It's just it's just unbelievable and we've had years and years and years now where the new teachers themselves have really have had no background in science or social studies or the arts and uh, to me that's the definition of a good school if you have art and you have music you got a chance anyway i'm paul carr and uh david brooks you be careful what you say Thank you.